Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Meet more sharp robot. That's a terrible robot voice. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. On 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Sports Sunday, bringing you till 11 o'clock. If you missed the first hour, Les Schwab Tires podcast is where you can find it after the show. We talked the dunk contest. We talked some Blazers. And we're going to switch gears here, unless some of those come up in the hate or love it segment, by talking a little uh, baseball and XFL the next two segments. And we'll start with baseball, as Jesse's been reporting in his update there about uh, some more updates with the Astros sign-stealing scandal. The... Astros came out on Thursday at spring training and kind of put forth a united front and they, excuse me, and they, uh, they came out and had kind of, in my opinion, a pretty, a a pretty strange approach to this. And it's not that I didn't necessarily expect them to not have this approach, but they apologized, but it still felt like they didn't have that much remorse for it no it was one of those apologies because you have to apologize like your teacher tells you say sorry to, to jesse for hitting him sorry right do i mean it probably not the the biggest of which is this is uh astros owner jim crane here this is two clips 55 seconds apart uh in the in the interview you know our opinion is uh, you know that this didn't impact the game um we had a good team um we won the world series and we'll leave it at that Jim, when talking about the Yankees there, did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game? And what do you mean by that? I, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. You know, our- Yeah, you did. Like a minute before, you said that. So, in our opinion, this didn't impact the game. We're still a good team that won the World Series. Here's another clip of him being um, kind of caught with his pants down in a lie. Jim, sign stealing is a distinct advantage for the hitter. So how is it that it doesn't affect competition? So then what are you guys apologizing for? Um, we're p- apologizing because we broke the rules. But isn't sign stealing a distinct advantage for the hitter? So doesn't it automatically impact competition? It, it, it could possibly do that. It could possibly not. Okay, guys, we're going to wrap up. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, Thank there, you, Jim. There's the, uh, uh, there's the, uh, yes, the, the communications guy going, yeah, 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 we got to stop this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abort. Abort. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, the, it's, Clearly it's crazy. it impacts competition. Come on. Like, I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, yes, 
it 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 impact like sometimes you got to take stuff on the chin. We got caught. Everybody knows it. Yes, it we were remorseful. It impacted the competition. We were really competitive. We were trying just to win, and it was a, the wrong thing to do. We're sorry that we that we did that. We apologize to the fans. We apologize to you know the the media from here in Houston. We apologize to just have some accountability. This this makes it worse. You know, when you lie about it, when you lie about the investigation, things only get worse. This means this is only going to be open for that much longer. Because instead of just coming out and saying, yeah, we, you know, we kind of did it, you know, and it's one of those things. Now if there's about to be an investigation. They're going to try to find out more. And then once they start pulling back the covers, you start finding out more than they were looking for. Well, so, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to do another investigation because they already did the investigation. And we're still waiting for their investigation of the Red Sox, by the way. And Alex Cora, who was the quote unquote mastermind behind this uh, with the Astros. What we have found out is the system was called Code Breaker or the Dark Arts, they called it. So they knew it wasn't good. Um, and that the front office did know about it. It started off by them doing it using the video from the center field camera, which was meant to help in replay so that the manager had an, had an idea of what to replay a challenge. They started using that because it was facing the catcher to decode signs. And then they would do in what is probably more allowed in baseball of again, using technology to steal signs is not allowed is they would go relay it to a runner. And then when he was on second base, he would using what he had learned relay to the batter. Um, then, the players went, Carlos Beltran, one of them went, uh, why don't we just put a monitor outside the dugout and have a system so that we know instead of having to wait for there to be a runner on second base. That's where the trash can banging started, right? Um, that was what they were caught for doing in 2017 for sure. Videos are out there. There is proof of it 100%. Now, the other stuff that's come out that has been more hearsay, that has been more people in baseball believe it happened, like the buzzers. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a couple of other, like there's, you know, the bullpen catcher on the road standing in a certain way to, and he had an earpiece in, there were all sorts of things that kind of came out as rumors and the Astros are vehemently denying the buzzers, but yet then you have the strange Jose Altuve, uh, home run off Chapman where he tells the guys, don't take off my shirt, don't take off my shirt, but then later his shirt is off. So it's again, just really strange occurrences that don't prove anything, but let you, kind of start thinking and going down that path of, okay, this is something that probably happened. And then now you have all the players speaking out, not them, the, the opposing players. And a lot of them are angry. If you haven't read Trevor Bauer's piece in the athletic, do it. It is really, really good. And he is incredibly angry about it because he for years has been calling the Astros out for cheating and they've been dragging his character through the mud and he's vindicated now. Um, Cody Bellinger came out with a very harsh statement. And he goes, Jose Altuve stole an MVP from Aaron judge. He stole the world series from us or they did, you know, these were things they, this was not just a small thing like this. It had impacts on a lot of people. And now Carlos Correa is coming out and he's the Astro shortstop. If you don't know, he's ripping Cody Bellinger. Like you don't know anything. If you don't know anything, don't talk about it. And it's like, Carlos, you guys got caught cheating for years. People thought you were still doing it last year in the world series when you lost to the nationals. Like, Stop coming out and being all defiant about it. Your team just apologized for doing it. Stop. He's the one defending them. It's like, dude, stop it. Just go into the shadows. If you want this to go away, you let this go away by not talking about it. But you coming out and trying to defend yourself and, and your team that's so, what, and so that's angrily what, is stupid. And that's what makes it worse. You know, and it makes you seem to, guilty. Th there you go. It makes you look guilty now because when instead of just letting things be handled and then speaking when everything is done, the, the correct response is, man, 
standing with my team. You know, we're 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 working things out and everything. We just want to make sure. Although we can I be don't, the, I don't love that response. No, either. you don't. But you know, that's what you should get. You know, you should get nothing. You you shouldn't get give anything right now because now you've just given you just threw more fuel on the fire. And you didn't really need to do that. Everybody's already looking at you saying you're cheating and saying you've cheated and you've been cheating for some years now. Instead of just being quiet and letting this whole thing blow over, you're just continuing to talk. And that's only going to bring more attention and more eyes. That's silly. My big thing is, Manford, this is your big opportunity. You know, Bud Selig had steroids. Steroids was what he had to really deal with. To my knowledge, and you're the, you're the baseball guru, so you tell me, this is his first, like, big controversy. This is his first big scandal, and I'm using the quote fingers as I do that, that, um, that he's had to deal with as a commissioner. We've seen the way Adam Silver, as the NBA commissioner, deals with issues. They, there's the, the bathroom law in uh, Charlotte, you know what, or in North Carolina, you know what, we won't be going there for the All-Star game. It's all good. We'll go somewhere else. There was the incident with uh, the, the, uh, Donald Sterling, the former Clippers owner. Man, that took a weekend for him to be removed from that was like our first big story that we got to do on Sports Sunday or anything what like was that? that. Yeah, because it happened on a Saturday and then rolled around a Sunday. And mm. it's like, man, you were like, I had no idea about this. Like, yeah, bro, this is gonna get bad. And then within by the next time we had a show together, the Clippers were looking for a brand new owner. Manfred has an opportunity here to say, you know what? I'm gonna come down hard. And we're gonna come down hard right now. That 2017 championship. Gone. It's too late. But it's uh, there. Uh, he's already made these, his decision. I'm saying these are these are things that he should have done. Yeah. These are things that he should have done. Instead, you left the baseball world kind of looking like, man, bro. You, you, you like, gave you, you gave the players a deal so that they wouldn't get punished if they told you what happened. And then what you did was you gave one year suspensions to the manager and the GM, and then they got fired because the Astros took it further than that. And that's it. Like it, it felt it felt like a good punishment, but when you thought about it, it wasn't. Because who is the one benefiting from this? The players. Yes. And why are they not getting punished? Just because you gave them immunity so they would talk to you? Come it's on. it's because, you know, the, at the end of the day, like, where are you going to find another Correa? You know, like, I mean, they're, they're out there. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, where are you going to find another one of the superstars of, of the game? I guess the in this case, managers and general managers are way more important to replace or way or much easier to replace of course. than an actual great player. So I think that's why a lot of times these managers and owners, they take it on the chin because – I'm not gonna lose Carlos Correa. I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna lose that. That's a that's a terrible idea for our franchise. So there's nothing they can do at this point. Like the they they had an opportunity to really come down, and you know the Astros had a chance to put it to bed, and you know they they choked it. And it's just one of those things, man. This this whole this whole situation is it's it's a black eye for baseball, you know, already. Which baseball is, I think they finally got to a point to where they're starting to get more younger eyes. You know, you're starting to get younger people that are starting to watch and pay attention to baseball all over again like it's 1990. Man, that's awesome. You know, but this right here is a bad look for the game. Also, though, in some ways it's good, right? Attention on the sport. Oh, of course. And this is – I'm just going to read this paragraph. Uh, this is from Jeff Passan. He's the ESPN baseball writer. He's really good. Um, the article is called Baseball is Burning. This is what he wrote. Baseball is burning. Opposing players are pummeling the Houston Astros as the fallout from their cheating scandal refuses to dissipate, and fans are frothing for vengeance after the players involved were spared from discipline by the league. Commissioner Rob Manfred is trying to wrap his arms around it all, only for the anarchy to keep expanding. Every day is something new. Saturday, it was bad tattoos. Sunday, the commissioner will talk to try to explain how this all unfolded and on, on his watch. Monday, if it came out, the Astros used furtive earpieces or Bluetooth buzzers or a robust artificial intelligence operation to gain an advantage. It would surprise absolutely nobody. There is no order, just pure distilled chaos. And I, I think you're right, Rashad. Rob Manfred could end the chaos right now. Be over. 
but he's not going to. And that's the problem. And then he, I've liked Rob Manfred as a commissioner, but he falls in line as some of the old baseball commissioners. They protect the sport at all costs. And in some ways that, and it includes these unwritten rules that sort of become rules, kind of letting them skate for these kind of things, you know, because it's protecting the game. And I think, you know, punishing the Astros is protecting the game, but also for some reason, there's this old school mentality that some of this stuff is okay. And that, that causes an effect in the same way too. It's been really interesting. Keep an eye on it. Uh, we'll update you on any new stuff. I think it's been fun. You know, if you don't follow John Boy on Twitter and you like baseball, he's a great guy to follow. He's a, he's like the wob of the MLB, posts a lot of funny videos and does breakdowns and stuff. He's a good follow. So, um, and he's been all over this as well since the beginning. So that's just a good way to kind of keep up with it as it keeps going because there's so many people and there's so many rumors and some of it I'm sure is not true. Um, but by the way, I believe they were using buzzers 100%. Uh, all right, coming up next... The XFL kind of sucks, but it kind of doesn't. How do we feel after two weeks of the fledgling football league? This is uh, Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. So I, I made this claim. It might have been on this show. I think it was also on primetime as well. That I'm, I'm not going to watch one effing second of the XFL. And mentally, I still feel the same way, but I've watched because I've been in places where it's been on, right? I was at a friend's house last Saturday, so the games were on. So I watched a little bit. And then I was at the gym yesterday. The game was on. So I watched a little bit. Um, the so I've already failed my rule of, of watching not one minute. I really don't have a lot of interest in it. I don't think these secondary football leagues are all that great to watch. I think the quality is pretty iffy. Um, and I feel very torn about the XFL early on because they have players that I recognize, which is cool, right? Like Cardell Jones is a quarterback for one of the teams mm -hmm. and the Scranton strong Matt McGloin is the quarterback of one of the teams um, you know, there's players there that you're like, oh, I remember that guy. Or, oh, I remember that guy in college. So, you know, it's a, it's a little bit fun to, to watch it in that sense. There's also the um, the the cool stuff they were doing with, like, you hear the coaching coaches calling the plays, and you can go up to the replay booth and hear how they do the replays. So they have some cool ideas. But all in all, so that's, that's, the, that's the positive side of it. But all in all, when I watch the games, I go, this is some bad football. Like, I've, I've, I've seen parts of three games now and first of all the defenses are an atrocity they are so bad and it's just it's such a it's such a bad like all these guys are just not that great obviously they were not good enough to make the nfl they were good college players some of them and some some of the players on out there are pretty good um but watching the plays like they're so slow to react to things the plays develop so slowly the defenses are constantly out of position I mean, there have been games where it's like 6-0 at halftime and in a league where it's supposed to be fun and exciting and more high, high fast pace and scoring and all that kind of stuff, you're like, okay, so the quality is really bad. Um, so I'm torn in that because it's like, okay, there's some cool things here and I get the appeal that it's another football league and it's happening when there's not a lot of other sports going on. But watching it, the quality is, I just can't get past it. It's like, oh, what a bad throw. Oh, what a bad play call. Like, these coaches aren't good coaches either. They they've fallen out of the NFL and they're coming back and trying to coach here. It's 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 very strange watching it because I like some of it, but most of it I'm just kind of like, Bleh. 
no, I, I feel you. Like it's it's not the best product yet, you know. But I do think, man, that there is some there is some intrigue to it, and I I, I like a lot of what the one thing Vince McMahon is going to do is the production value is going to be there, you know. So there are some cool things about the XFL already that I like. Um, I, I like the fact, like you said, that you can hear some of the coaches' calls. Uh, in the game, like as far as what they're about to run, what play they're going to run. I like the fact that they'll do some interviews of players, you know, on the sideline, you know, about the game and, and you know, what's next and all those things. I think those things are, are cool because if you notice, like I said before, the XFL was, quote, unquote, a failure, failure the first time. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were some really cool things about the league that the NFL was like, yeah, we're going to do that. That's a great idea. We're going to take that idea and use that. So if nothing else, man, I look at this as a great opportunity for the NFL to see some stuff and go, huh, I think we can do that, but we can probably do that at a higher rate or at a better level or something like that. So I do think there are some guys out there that that can ball, and I think this can be a great opportunity for those guys to show that I can still play football and maybe at a, you know, at, at a higher level and maybe on the next level. We've seen in the, in the past some guys from the XFL get called up and – go to the NFL and have a significant role playing for a team. I'm thinking most more specifically, uh, somebody like Rod Smart, you know, who we know as the, the character in XFL, he hate me, you know, but at the same time, he was somebody that went and played for the Panthers and, you know, ran back punts and kicks and ended up becoming a really big part of what the Panthers were able to do for a point. So I do think there are some of these guys that are out there. There was one guy that had a big pick in the game yesterday that he was a first over, he was a first round pick you know, in the, in the draft. And sometimes things don't work out and there's some injuries and, you know, roster spots, you know, whatever the case is, there's some things that just don't work out. And so guys end up at square one. I just love the fact that football is the one thing that if you don't make it to the NFL, then that's it. There's no other uh, real option for you to, to make money and play. And I just like the fact that, man, guys can continue, you know, their football journey and their football career, like basketball, I can go play overseas. I can go play in Europe. I can go play in Kazakhstan, you know what I'm saying, if I really need to. But there is a league for you to play in. Baseball, there's a problem. There's a league for you to play in. You know, there's a, a, a single A, double, triple. There's somewhere for you to be. You know, there's even, you know, the minors, the minors, the pickles, or whatever the case is. Somewhere for you to be. If you're a football player, is my, my life, my life, my life is over. Like, I'm done playing. I'm done every at 23 because I couldn't make it to the NFL, which is the highest level. I like something like the XFL just because it's able to give some of those guys uh, another outlet and another opportunity to show that they can still play and maybe even go to the next level or to the, the higher level, highest level, which is the NFL. I just think it's silly that all these other leagues, you, baseball, basketball, soccer, hockey, golf, all, can have minor league teams. But the biggest – league of them all for some reason can't have some sort of lower tier league to go with it and i understand that you know there are people that just don't want to watch it because it's not the best level just because like you're going to only basically find either people that live in the city or true like baseball diehards that are going to watch minor league baseball or the minor league basketball but the fact is one it's good for the league that that you're sending players into because we talked about before the XFL before sent players into the NFL, the AFL last year sent players into the NFL. It, whether they want it or not, it is a feeder for their league. We all know about late bloomers in sports. Like you just know it. Like some guys just start clicking and maybe you're like, they, they fall through the cracks, the cracks. They get, they get a little bit more experience. We they know get Matt McGloin is not dream. one of those guys. No, he Matt McGloin is not one of those guys, <laughs> but what about PJ Walker? Like I mean, that that kid's looking good, and he might very well end up on 
a, a team as a backup or a practice squad guy next year. And that is a guy who's realizing his dreams. Now, granted, that's not why we watch football. But the fact is, is that for true diehard football lovers, it's more football for you to watch. And in reality, you shouldn't expect much out the gate. It's just what happens when you get new offensive coordinators, new head coaches in the NFL. Like the first four games of the season look like preseason football for them. Right? You don't come out the gate. You have all of your teams in this league, starting with new head coaches, new offensive coordinators, new defensive coordinators, brand new rosters. One that was fired after one game, by and the one way. One that was fired after one game. The fact is, is that, no, it's not great football out the gate, but honestly, I think it's better than I'd expect out the gate based on all those variables launching a league. I do think that the fact that it's on ABC, ESPN, Fox is going to help it. It's on the big networks. They're they're supporting it. They're putting some of their big talent on it. I noticed Brock Heward was calling one of the games, uh, or he's on the sideline doing some stuff. So they're, they're putting talent around it because for them, what else is going on at this time of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's helpful for sure. And I, I do agree with what Jesse is saying. If the NFL, well, there's two ways they can do it. They can steal all the ideas and kill the XFL, right? They can steal the replay stuff. They can steal the coach mics. They can steal all that and and say, this is ours now. And then, then the specialty of it is gone, which will draw people away from the XFL. Um, or they can accept the fact that it might be a good feeder league. I mean, there are some good players down there who could certainly help an NFL team. I can't remember... Jesse might know just from watching it. There's a white wide receiver on one of the teams who's really, he catches everything. He's really, really good. He's, he played at Colorado. Um, I forget his name, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. He was, he, he's just catches everything and he runs good routes. So, I mean, there's players down there that could certainly make the step up. And if the NFL accepts that as a system, then it's less about selling the XFL as all this big league. You're going to watch. It's just more like, Hey, here's the NFL's minor league system. Games will be on TV, but it doesn't need to be its own entity. And I think that would help too, because there's a lot of pressure on the league. If they don't get good viewership, they're like, well, Hey, how are we going to support ourselves if we're not affiliated with anybody but ourselves? Um, but if you, if you can take that pressure away because you're tied to the NFL, then I think that would help in the long run as well. No, absolutely. All right, let's take a break. Coming up next. It is time for hate it or love it. But first Jesse has sports center. Take the fan. That's why I was going slow for you. Jesse. <laughs> First, Jesse has Sports Center. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. That music means it's time for Hate It or Love It. All right. Some pretty good XFL text, too. Oh, we did? Yeah. Mm. I'm convinced the fans at XFL games are only there to drink and be away from their families. That, isn't that why we're <laughs> at every game? <laughs> I suppose. All right. Uh, what do you got for us today, Jesse? You know what? I'll, you know what? I'll say this before we move on. Seattle fans, I've been calling, you know, Seahawks, Seattle fan, basically bandwagon fans since Pete Carroll got there. There was basically none of them before he got there. Right. 29,000 showed up to that XFL game yesterday. Uh, well, little, a lot of people. Yeah, no. That's, Seattle knows that's how impressive. to show up to their team's games. You know, even when they were, you know, Supersonics, like they they used to fill the key arena pretty, you know, regularly. So they may, they may be falling off the bandwagon fan as far as a, a fan base up in Seattle and and into true fandomhood. So 
Congratulations. Nice, nice job showing up and supporting uh, your local Absolutely. minor league football team. Yes. I, I just want to say nice job. Yeah. Way to go, Seattle. Keep keep it up, bro. Um. All right. We'll, we'll start out with a little bit of basketball because there is some football in here, you know, but uh, we'll start out with a little basketball and um, maybe a little bit of a, a dark thought here as we start with the de- uh, with the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, last year, magical run. We, we talked about that today. Magical run uh, all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Um, just wasn't quite enough, but this year, back to more of what we expect from the Blazers, kind of fighting for that eight, seven, eight seed. Not quite good enough. Bad things happening. No, no guys coming in free agency that are really going to be difference makers. Love or hate, last season will be the deepest run the Blazers will make in the playoffs with Dame on the roster. Wait, wait, wait who's going first? I don't know. Remember we talked about this. Like, oh, yeah, you just uh, want to switch? Like me, you, me, or you, me, you? Sure. Which one? Who's going first? I'll go first. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say hate on this one, and that's because I believe in Damian Lillard a lot. Um, and I do believe, obviously, he's staying with the Blazers. He signed the Supermax deal. He's going to get paid boatloads of money, uh, $40 to $50 million a year at the end of that deal. But I believe in him. I believe in his relationships with other players. I believe in Neil O'Shea's ability to, to scout talent. Um, so I think that at some point, the West will fall a certain way where Lillard and the team around him will be able to get into either back to that same spot or into the NBA finals, because it's just, it's hard for me not to think that a, a player as good as Damian Lillard would not make that, make it that far. And we've, we've seen them get close. And that's the, that's the thing that's important is last year they got close despite having use of Nurkic out with an injury. They made a couple of smart trades at the deadline slash additions from bought, bought out contracts that worked out. Um, and, and then Neil O'Shea went, I'm going to go all in the all in didn't work but he was willing to go all in for it. So as long as Olshay is here and as long as Lillard is here, which should be the rest of his career, because that's what he says, um, I think there is a very good chance that they can get past that point or at least back to that point because of the type of player he is and their ability in the past to get to that point. Mm. This is such a complex, complex question because I want to say love because Damian Lillard is... Uh, one of the most talented uh, basketball players in the league. And that's just not scoring the ball. That's as a player, he's one of the most marketable guys, all these things. And I would think that people will want to come and play with Dame. Unfortunately, as far as free agency, we haven't seen that. And so if you're looking at the Blazers team as currently constructed with Nurkic and with the healthy Nurkic and the healthy Zach Collins, this is still probably the fourth best team in the Western Conference. And that's including the Damian Lillard, only because the Lakers now have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The Clippers now have uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh, Houston still has, man, two of the last three MVPs on their team. Not to say Houston is a better team than the Blazers, but when they're at full strength, we'll be able to see. I just think, unfortunately, if he was in the East, I would would absolutely say yes, because the Eastern Conference is clearly an easier role. But when you have teams like that we haven't even mentioned like Utah that are still in the mix and probably a better team than you, that Denver that is your right, that are, that's a rival, and right now it's constructed better than you. It's one of those things. So getting to the Western Conference is, is really, really hard, really difficult. If you were in the East, I would say no problem. If Dame got the opportunity to play with one more star player, one star player, one guy that's a wing player or something like that, then I would absolutely say he can have the opportunity to get there. But as the team is currently constructed, Dame is going to struggle in second-round purgatory for a while. All right. Um, perfect. Uh, little, lots of points being slung out there. 
Um, you know, do you guys want to stick with the basketball one more? I mean, it's All Star Weekend, that why, kind of stuff. It's, it's All Star Weekend. Why not? You right. control the segment. You, you choose. All right, we'll go with the theme there uh, for a second. Uh, question is going to stick with the Blazers is going to stick with Damian Lillard and it's going to be about his injury and we all know you know he's missing a three-point contest he's missing the all-star festivities and says he wants to get back there and he's, he should be ready to go here um, not too long after the all-star game love or hate the Blazers should exaggerate Dame's groin injury and shut him down for the season love uh, we talked about that a little earlier on the show uh, I think Damian Lillard uh, really he's a guy that's never going to quit Unfortunately, to his own uh, detriment, man, he's going to play through a lot of the the things that, you know, kind of hamper the Trailblazers. Number one, a terrible roster at this point. So Dame is one of those competitors. He's a guy that's openly said he will lose here in Portland for his entire career before he goes and joins another team to become a super team and win a championship. When you have a guy like that, it's hard to tell him not to play because your team isn't doing as well right now. I think the smart thing for Neil O'Shea and for uh, – for Coach Stotts to do is to sit Dame down and say, listen, we understand you're a fighter, you're a warrior, we need you out here, and as the leader of our team next year, we're going to retool and we're going to reload. I want you as healthy as possible. Unfortunately, you going out there and averaging 50 for us is a great stat, but it will at the end of the day, it won't do anything for you. It won't do anything for us except for tire you out and, and uh, get you ready, not get you ready for the offseason. So go ahead and take a knee on the season, and we'll have you ready for next year where we can actually have an opportunity to compete for something. Uh, I also love this. To me, part of it is is long-term. How many miles are on Damian Lillard's legs? How many minutes has he played in his career? In a lost season, I think we can all agree it's a lost season for the Blazers. I think even they can agree it's a lost season based on where they got last year. There's no harm in giving your star player an extra couple of months to rest and not have to kill himself for a, a season that won't get anywhere. Um I also think, like we talked about earlier in the show, it gives some young guys a chance to get some more minutes and see what you have there and then make decisions smarter for your future based on who you have. Like, let's say Simons turns out to be really good at the end of the year because he's getting a lot of minutes or Gary Trent Jr. or whoever. That's that's beneficial to you as well. There's not a lot to benefit from in this season at this point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let Damian Lillard miss more time with the groin injury. Don't rush Nurkic back. Don't rush Collins back. And just let's get to the point where the Blazers have a higher draft pick. All right. Well, you guys are literally uh, tied neck and neck. Right oh. um, all right. Moving on to the NFL. This is really, honestly, a really uh, New England AFC East Tom Brady themed with the questions I have here. So uh, AFC East, Tom Brady, or uh, New England? I don't, I don't understand your yeah, question. Yeah, no, it's just one of it, it's oh 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 one of the three. I will I will give. Oh, uh, let's do Tom Brady. All right, Tom Brady. All right, Tom Brady. I thought that, I thought that was your question. I was like, what am I hating or loving? <laughs> no. Uh, all right, so Tom Brady, as we all know, uh, New England is uh, they are the kings of the NFL at uh, moving on from players, star players, any player doesn't matter. Uh, as they are moving past their prime. They can still be good players, but they, they want players in their prime. All, obviously, we've heard all the things about Tom Brady possibly moving on from New England this offseason. We've had them linked to both Oakland and Cowboys as both serious suitors. Love or hate, the Dallas Cowboys should go all in and get Tom Brady with that roster. First of all, Las Vegas, no longer Oakland. Sorry. Uh, second of all, hate, 100% hate on that one. 
you have, look, Dak Prescott isn't great, but he's good. He's a good young quarterback that you, for whatever reason, are deciding to to put through the ringer and not pay him and do the whole franchise tag thing. Don't go get a guy who's going to retire in a year or two. Don't go do the Chiefs Joe Montana thing because you think it's going to be good for your brain and good for your sex appeal. I don't know if Tom Brady's even good enough anymore to take all teams to the Super Bowl. I mean, last year, Tom Brady didn't play that well. His offense wasn't great. His arm wasn't as strong. Um, he wasn't the same Tom Brady. You finally saw the first signs of age on him, even though he's, what, 44 now. You finally saw it. So I don't think you can go to another team and the Cowboys have flaws and just single-handedly take them there. So, no, I would say hate. And that's the the other side of it is I think that they, they've they got a good player in Dak Prescott who will keep growing and keep learning. He's not going to be the best quarterback in the league, but he can single-handedly win them games uh, with his legs and with his arm. And I think it'd be silly for them to throw their eggs into the Tom Brady basket with a guy like Dak Prescott uh, on their team. Vegas, on the other hand, Derek Carr has really re uh, re regressed a lot. Maybe that's a place. Plus, it's like, oh, we're in Vegas and we got Tom Brady and here's a push of our new brand. I can see that a little bit more than I can see Dallas. Um, I'll, I'll, geez, Louise. Uh, I'll hate it. Um, Brady had a, a fair season last year, but to Tom Brady's standards, nowhere near anywhere he would have liked to have been. Uh, he is getting older. The arm strength isn't there. Uh, you know, the, the the offensive personnel wasn't there for him this past year, so that was a big reason why the production wasn't really there. Uh, but Dak Prescott is still, you know, you got to go on the side of, side of age. Dak in his, well, this is his third or fourth year as the quarterback, man, through 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, was second in the NFL in uh, passing yards, man. This is a guy who, unfortunately, like to everybody's chagrin, performed and did what he's supposed to do. Number one in passing yards this year, Jameis Winston. Number two, Dak Prescott. So we can say everything we want to about him being a game manager or him doing all those things, but 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and th uh, almost 5,000 yards uh, through, the, through the air. So that's somebody that's still a very, very good quarterback. And then you talk about all the issues that Dallas had, the, the Jason Garrett uh, coaching issues where he got incredibly conservative a lot of times and refused to use some of the guys he had. You know, the fact that you still have this great offensive line and a great running back in Zeke, you know, in the backfield to be able to make things happen for you. You still got Amari Cooper over there. Dak Prescott is only going to get better. And if there's any player comparison Dak Prescott should have, it should be the one of Tom Brady, somebody who came into the league and was more of a game manager and was never the star of the team, let his defense kind of run the show. But then when they came, when they called for it and they called for him to step to the plate and really be the leader, Tom Brady became the quarterback of all quarterbacks. I think Dak Prescott can do a lot of the same if they just give him an opportunity to do to do that. All right. Well, um, dang close today. Really close today. And it came down to one thing. The Brady arc. Comparing him to the same arc as Tom Brady today, our winner is Rashad Taylor. Woo! I need that, man. Good. I didn't know what to do for the last segment, so now it's on you. So do me a favor. Instead of my normal, you know, entrance music, which is going to be awesome because I'm going to wrestling later with my son. Hopefully he's not listening because he doesn't think we're going to go. But uh, can I hear the uh, NBA on NBC theme as we come back? Can that be the rejoin? Can that be our rejoin? My uh, winning music? I can't make any promises. I'll see what I can do. We'll try, though. Okay. Uh, All-Star Games today, man. What's your favorite All-Star Game moment? Let's just talk about that. Coming up next on The Fan. Weekend Sports with a Difference. This 
is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. So when you talk nostalgia, I don't know if there is a, a better sports theme song than this one. It's, it's just one of those things, man. The NBA on NBC is by far and away, um, when I think of sports, whether it's the, the, the Madden theme or I guess the NSPS or NFL on Fox, like, yeah. hey, man, this is this is the one seed. This is the greatest sports theme uh, song of all time. and It's quite good. It just makes me think of, you know, I remember watching the All-Star game when I was in uh, – I was a freshman and uh, in high school, and it was um, Kobe wasn't a, a starter on his team, but became a starter in the Western Conference for the All Stars. And it was the basically it was the Kobe versus Jordan show in New York. And man, I just remember that was the night, or that was really the night that confirmed for me that this is my guy. Kobe Bryant is my favorite player. Like, look at what he's doing. He came down the court on a play and puts the ball behind his back and behind the back and then gets it in behind the back twice all the way to the rim for a layup. And I was like, okay, this young dude has got it. Then he had one little dunk where he kind of reached back and kind of scratches back with it. And I was like, yeah, this this dude is tight. So favorite all-star game moments. We got one here on the fan text line. Uh, favorite all-star moment was Magic Johnson playing uh, post-HIV diagnosis. Still say Drexler was robbed the MVP that game. Drexler was killing that game. I do remember that. But that was always Magic's MVP. You know, he made, what, four threes at the end of that game? And he made them on, like, all the stars. So first, Isaiah Thomas comes to guard him, and you take this three. And then here comes um, Jordan tries to guard him, and then you take this three. And I can't remember the last person that tried to step out and guard him. And that's when you see Magic with the hand in the air and the the, the foot kind of out, and it goes in. That might have been – I remember that was cool because they didn't even wait for the clock to start strike zero. There were still like 13, 14 seconds of the game. They said, you know what? Game's over. <laughs> we don't even have to play anymore, man. That right there, him making those four, three, four threes in a row at the end of the game and then holding it for the shot and it goes down and Magic gives the fist bump. You can't write that. I think that may, you, you're right no, to the text. That may very well be the coolest moment in All-Star game history. I was never a big NBA All-Star game fan growing up so i don't really have any specific moments about that my one memory is the baseball all-star game which is always my favorite of course is this is in 2002 i looked it up uh tory hunter robbing barry bonds of a home run and then barry bonds ran out there after into center field and picked him up and like grabbed him into the air it was just a cool moment you know it was it was pre it was pre like all the bad steroid stuff and it was like oh here's barry bonds greatest home run hitter and tory hunter's best center fielder in baseball and he robs the home run. So that was a really cool moment that I really enjoyed uh, quite a bit in that All-Star game. I, to me, All-Star games have always been kind of non, non-factors non in my life. I understand that they're exhibitions. Some things about them are fun. I've always loved the home run derby, right? I think the Josh Hamilton one at Yankee Stadium from, what is that, like eight years ago now. It's probably my favorite ever. He lost it, too, to Justin Morneau, by the way. But, um, you know, I've got memories of that where I've got memories of the dunk contests and stuff, but the actual games, I've never really had that much of a connection to the games. I don't really? know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the all-star games itself, like for me, uh, lost a little bit of luster, you know, uh, I want to say maybe a few years ago, but something I, I still look forward to. I still want to see, like I missed the dunk contest and all that stuff last night, but I always love, you know, being able to sit down and watch the game. I think for, it got to a point to where it, it wasn't competitive no more. And it was just like a bunch of dudes throwing lobs and shooting 40-foot jumpers. And it's well, like, did you see the end of the Rising Stars Challenge? It just hit like no, a mini dunk contest. No, I don't want to do that. And that's the thing. Like, that. I think they changed all these rules for this year's All-Star Game. And they didn't have to. Like, just put some 
put some defensive like incentives in the game. Hold a team to under 60 points for the first half or first quarter or whatever the case is and get X amount of dollars, you know, $10,000, you know, per quarter that you hold them under. That all of a sudden you're going to see guys start playing defense and take things uh, a little more seriously, man. Uh, an extra $10,000 bonus to the team that holds uh, somebody under 15 dunks for a half. Like, okay, like make me play basketball. Make Put me in a position to where uh, these guys have to go out there and really, really compete. Like that's the whole point of the All-Star game is to see the very best players play in the very best game and, that's and complete hard. And it's like, man, if you're not going to do that, then why even this is this whole dunk contest ex- exhibition is stupid. I also think that's why, although it, it didn't work out, baseball making the All-Star game matter um, with the the winning team was the home field advantage in the World Series that that league. It that ma- was cool. Like it, 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 it wound it, it wound up being really stupid and unfair, but it made the All Star game better because the players actually tried harder. There you go. And I thought that was really cool. And that's why I like the baseball one the best is that it it, it is the least obvious, not trying as hard game because they're still throwing the pitches they want to throw and they're still trying to hit home runs and it's still you know competitive. It's just an exhibition. And that's okay. So that's why I've always preferred that one. Pro Bowl is useless. NHL has like the cool skills challenges and stuff. And I like the NBA side stuff, but the game, eh. How much am I going to watch of it today? Probably not much. I'll probably watch the highlights. Yeah, it's all good. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We should be around 9 to 11 every Sunday unless something comes up as uh, we will. uh, We don't have any football knocking us off the air or anything like that. So we'll be here. All fall, spring, or not fall, all spring, summer long, up until football season again, 9 to 11 every Sunday. Have a very good holiday weekend. Remember, we are all off on Monday here on The Fan, so we'll be back on Tuesday, and uh, we will see you next week. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! Arr. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.